If you would, turn in your copy of God's Word to the book of 2 Thessalonians. We are going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. The final three verses in the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 3, beginning verse 16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let us pause ask the Lord's blessing as we look into these three short little verses this evening. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these short verses that we might tend to just overlook. We ask that you would help us to see the truth that you have for us in these verses this evening. We ask it in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So as you may recall, I've been working through a series on Sunday nights Approximately once a month. This is our seventh and final message, and we started back in September. The title of my series has been Second Thessalonians Faithful Till He Comes. We as believers are called in this book to be faithful until Jesus Christ comes again. I want to remind you of the structure of this book. Pastor Brent mentioned this this morning that quite often, I think in almost every one of Paul's epistles, he begins with a teaching section, doctrine, the beginning half of the book or so, and then he ends the book with the practical application of how to put that teaching into practice in your life. So the first half of the book runs from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 14. And then chapter 2, verse 15, is where the second half begins. And in the first half, Paul has reminded these believers that Jesus Christ is coming again. That they have a future, a glorious future, to look forward to. So then in verse 15 of chapter 2, He turns to what they have been called to do. He says in that verse, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. The word therefore, in other words, because of everything he said up to this point, therefore, because of this, brothers, stand fast. Continue on. Remain faithful. And then he goes on throughout chapter 3, and as we saw the last time we looked, he talks about how We, as believers, need to work. And that is the hard part about remaining faithful, is that it requires work. But this evening, we're going to look at just these last three verses, verses 16 through 18. And we're going to see that the Lord provides for some of our deepest needs. Here's the big idea that I want for us to come away with. 
if we desire to remain faithful till he comes, till Jesus Christ comes again, then we must rely on the Lord to provide for our deepest needs. Now, when I talk about our deepest needs, I am not talking about physical needs. I'm not talking about health needs. I'm not talking about financial needs. I'm talking about emotional needs, intellectual, spiritual needs that we have. So we'll dig into that. I think in these three verses, Paul gives us three needs that we have which only God can meet. Only God can provide for these needs. The first need that only God can fulfill, only God can meet this need, is our need for fulfillment. We seek fulfillment. We might seek it in our relationships, in our family, in our friends. Or we might seek our fulfillment in our career. Or we might seek fulfillment somewhere else. But most of us want our lives to be fulfilled. We want our lives to be complete. We want to be satisfied with our lives. But there's only one person who can truly and completely satisfy, can provide that complete fulfillment in our lives. Look at verse 16 with me. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always by all means. The Lord be with you all. That first sentence, he says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always by all means. So the most important word in that verse is a word that's mentioned twice. It's the word peace. What is peace? There are two different meanings of the word peace. One is the idea of a state of harmony. So consider that you have two nations that are at war with each other. They are in this conflict, this battle. They are not at peace. But if they were to sign some kind of a treaty, some kind of an agreement, then they may be at peace. There'd be this state of harmony between these two nations. And it's the same with us and our God. Before we trusted in Christ, the book of Ephesians says that we were enemies. We were alienated from God. We did not have that peace. But now in Jesus Christ, we do have that peace. We do have that state of harmony where we can we are in agreement and conquered in harmony with God. So there's that type of peace. But there's another meaning for peace. And that is a state of well-being. In other words, it's this idea of all's well with my life. It's complete. I'm satisfied. This is often used in the Old Testament 
The Hebrew word is shalom. The Lord of peace. The Lord of shalom. I realize this is a Greek word, not a Hebrew word here in the New Testament. But the Lord of shalom himself give you shalom. The Lord of peace give you peace. So I think what Paul is saying here is he's expressing a desire that the Lord give this state of well-being, this state of fulfillment to the Thessalonian believers. But notice what his description of the Lord. He calls him the Lord of peace. Now that could simply indicate that he is the Lord who is characterized by peace himself, that he himself is in a state of fulfillment, he is complete. But I think probably what Paul has in mind is that the Lord is the source from which peace comes. He is the one who produces that state of well-being. The Lord of peace himself give you peace. So the Lord is the source of our fulfillment. But notice that second sentence. He says, the Lord be with you all. So this is another desire that Paul's expression expressing for these Thessalonian believers. But I think it's tied to the first one. I think what Paul is saying is that the Lord's presence in our lives provides that fulfillment. The Lord be with you all. We need the Lord's presence in our lives. Now, we do have the, if we are believers here this evening, we do have the Holy Spirit living within us. So in that sense, we do have the Lord's presence in our lives. But Paul is writing to believers, and he's expressing that the Lord be with them. So it has to be something more than just the Holy Spirit's indwelling of believers. I think this is the communion, the fellowship that we as believers can have with the Lord We can enter into his presence through reading his word, meditating on his word, through prayer, through spending time in prayer. So Paul is expressing these desires that these believers would experience, would enjoy this fulfillment that only the Lord can provide. So I want to challenge each of us, and I'm including myself here, we too must rely on the Lord to complete our lives, to fulfill our lives. Because it is so easy to seek fulfillment somewhere else. We must rely on the Lord to complete our lives. So that's the first need that we have, which only God can meet. He's the only one who can give us this complete fulfillment, this complete satisfaction in our lives. But let's consider a second need, which only God can fulfill. Or at least that only God can fulfill 
completely. And that is our need for facts. Or you could say our need for truth. Look at verse 17 with me. Paul writes, The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I read that verse, I was like, how in the world am I going to preach something from that verse? Paul is saying, this is my signature, so you know that this is me. That's essentially what Paul's saying right here. But why did Paul give them, why did Paul write this? He wrote it so that they would know that this was genuine. That this was really from the Apostle Paul. And who was the Apostle Paul? He was an apostle. One who was sent by God. One who had authority as one sent by God. But also one who the Lord used to write God's words to us. That was part of what the apostles were used to do. So when the Thessalonian believers receive this letter, obviously they begin at the beginning of the letter, and it says it's from the Apostle Paul. And they'd be excited, because they knew that Paul wasn't just a man. Yes, he was a man, but he was a man who the Lord spoke through. So not only were they receiving words from Paul, but they were receiving words from the Lord. The book of 2 Peter talks about how the prophets spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Peter later talks about even the Apostle Paul in context with these other writings of Scripture. I believe these Thessalonian believers knew that this was Scripture that they were reading. They knew that God was revealing his word to them through Paul. And that, that made them all the more eager to know what has God revealed to us in this letter. But not only did God reveal truth, but he validated that truth. Paul wrote this in his own handwriting, which makes me assume Paul does not state it here. Other places it is mentioned that Paul used someone else to actually write the words of the letter. And what seems to be the case here is Paul has that secretary step aside and he writes this verse. This is me, Paul. This is my signature. So you can know it's really from me. Now, we don't have any copies of the original manuscript that have Paul's handwriting. That would be cool if we did. But we don't have those. But the very fact that the book of 2 Thessalonians exists today means that when those believers in Thessalonica received this letter, they saw this verse... And they affirmed, 
Yes, this is Paul's handwriting. We know that Paul sent this. It's valid. This is God's word, spoken, written by his apostle, Paul. So not only must we rely on the Lord to complete our lives, but we must also rely on the Lord to provide truth for us. Now, I do not believe that there are apostles today. Thus, I do not believe that we have Scripture being written today. But we can still rejoice in the truth that God has for us. And frankly, we don't need more truth. At least for myself, I haven't yet grasped the 66 books he has given us. I'm not sure that I need any more. But we can thank the Lord that he has provided truth for us. And you know, people are looking for truth today. But... We really cannot rely on anyone else to give us truth. We can't rely on the media to tell us the truth. We can't rely on politicians to tell us the truth. Sometimes we can't even rely on our own friends to tell us the truth. But there's one book that we can always rely on that tells us the truth. It's one of our needs, our need for truth, which only God can provide. But let's consider a third need, and we'll be done here shortly. Third need, which only God can provide, and that is our need for favor. Now, I realize I alliterated these points. They may not be the easiest words, but perhaps they'll help you remember them. We must rely on the Lord to be gracious to us. Look at verse 18 with me. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Again, Paul is expressing a desire, a wish for these Thessalonian believers. He desires that the grace or the favor of Jesus Christ be with them. That God's favor be extended to these believers. Now again, they're already believers. According to the book of Ephesians, they're already accepted in the beloved, accepted in Jesus Christ. But God, Jesus Christ, still extends his favor to us as believers today. And you know, we as humans like people's acceptance. We like people to think well of us, right? Well, Jesus Christ thinks well of us. He can think well of us. He will think well of us if we walk with him. 
Why do we need someone else? Why do we need the acceptance of someone else if we have the acceptance of Jesus Christ? Why do we need someone else's applause if we have the favor of Jesus Christ? We see here that the Lord is gracious and that the Lord's gracious favor can be extended to us. So our three needs, which only God can meet, number one, fulfillment. We must rely on the Lord to complete our lives. Number two, our need for facts. We must rely on the Lord to provide truth for us. And number three, favor. We must rely on the Lord to be gracious to us. So again, I say, if we desire to remain faithful till Jesus Christ comes, then we must rely on the Lord to provide for these deepest needs that we have. Our need for fulfillment in, our, in life. Our need for truth. Our need for acceptance, favor. We must rely on the Lord to meet those needs if we desire to be faithful. And this concludes the series in Second Thessalonians. I encourage you, think about what Paul speaks about in the first half of the letter, that Jesus Christ is coming again, that we have glory to look forward to. And because of that, let us live faithfully today. Let us continue on serving the Lord. And we can only do that as we rely on the Lord to meet our needs.